Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from Lead Pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, I hope you are well today. I, well, there it is. I started to say I didn't, didn't hear as much throat clearing and sniff. Oh, there we go. Bring it on. It's, it's coming now. God bless you all. It's cold and flu season, and so do not be offended if you extend a hand and somebody does this. Okay? They're just trying to be safe. They're trying to protect you too. Okay? Hug a little differently right now. You can still hug, but do that side hug. Not in the face. Turn your head. You know, kind of thing. Um, love each other well, but protect one another during cold and flu season. Okay? It's a good thing. It's a very, very good thing. Hey, in your newsletter, there is a, uh, an insert that I hope you have uh, already drawn your attention to. Uh, we're doing something uh, the, the Sunday before Easter um, that I, I want you to know about because I think it will help prepare your heart to celebrate the resurrection in a really powerful way. Um, we're going to be doing a Christ in the Passover Seder um, that Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. Uh, and so you're going to want to be a part of that. It's going to be a great time. Now here's, I, I know that you are not sign up in advance people. I, I know that about you. You know, you like to wait till the last minute to see if a better option comes along. There's not going to be a better option. So go ahead and sign up early because we've got to prepare. There's going to be a cutoff date. Um, so we, we've got to be able to prepare and, and have some food there. And now, now don't skip lunch thinking you're getting a full meal because you're not. You'll be sorely disappointed. Okay. Um, it, it, but it's going to be an experience. It's going to be family friendly. We're going to have child care for three and under. But uh, for those beyond that age, uh, we're hoping to make it very family friendly and hoping you know, that, that you would consider participating. Because I do think it will prepare your, your soul well for... Um, the celebration of the resurrection uh, one week later. God bless you. Um, I'm going to quit God blessing you now. So just know I intend it, but I'm just not going not, not to keep saying it. Hey, today we're, we're back in Ephesians. We're in chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 18, kind of where we left off last week, if you got your worksheet. Now, for those of you who have started using um, the, uh, the, the Bible app and are taking your notes that way, it's still going to work today, but um, kind of last minute I made some order adjustments. It's all in there. You just may have to hunt for it a little bit more. Uh, than, than you had to last week. Um, and if you haven't picked up on that, you can, you can use the Bible app to um, keep up with your notes. You can save them, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, Tim Vianu kind of is keeping up with, with that for us. Now, um, while you're getting turned on, turned out, flipped over, whatever you do with your Bible, um, to, to Ephesians 6, one of the things, and just FYI, we're also going to be in Ephesians 3 and in Luke 5. So if you want to find those, you know, and mark them or something, you can do that. W one of the things that happened in my life, I don't know how, it's a mystery. It may have been, I may blame it on the Dukes of Hazard, watching too much of that in my adolescence. But for some reason, I picked up... Um, in my later adolescence, I picked up saying the word bodacious. Everything became bodacious. You know, I just said it all the time. And so uh, my senior year, um, I realized that summer, I'm, I'm heading to College of Charleston. That was where I, I started my college years. And I, I thought, probably not a good word for College of Charleston. So I decided over the summer to try to ditch bodacious. It was hard to do. But I finally kind of worked bodacious out of my, my vocabulary, um, as a, at least as a frequent flyer. Um, some interesting things about bodacious. Bodacious is a, a, an actually fairly young word. Um, its roots are back into the 19th century. Uh, it, th those who study the origins of etymologists, who study those word origins, tell us that it's actually the blending of two words. Any idea what two words got blended? Bold and audacious. Bodacious. Bodacious. And so I, I, wanna, I want us to think today about praying 
bodacious prayer. So I want to start by reading. I want to go back to read um, a little bit further back than, than verse 18. I want to start in verse, verse 10 um, and kind of pick up just to give us some, some connection to where we were last week. Paul writes these words in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle. Uh, some translations say battle or struggle against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Paul here is declaring, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to be in a battle. It's going to be a fight. We talked a lot about that last week. Don't be afraid of the battle because there's a victory in Jesus. Uh, we're not going to spend time on that today. You can go back and watch that video if you want to. Um, but then Paul says, I'm going to start, I'm going to equip you for the battle. So verse 13, he says this. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, stand firm. And then verses 14 through 18, he gives descriptions of their weapons that God has put at their disposal and how to use them. And we, we got through all of those last week except for the last one. And that's where we're picking up today in verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Making supplication for all the saints and also for me. And Paul goes on to say, pray for me that I will be bold with sharing the gospel. Now when it comes to praying these kinds of prayers, these spiritual warfare prayers, I tried to think of a one word description that made me think that this is what a spiritual warfare prayer looks like. And it was the word, say it with me, bodacious, bold, audacious praying. Is what spiritual warfare praying is, is about. And so when you think about spiritual warfare prayers, they've got to be, they've got to be these bodacious prayers. That's what spiritual warfare praying looks like. Bold and audacious praying. Now, it seems strange to me a little bit that here in Ephesians 6, Paul didn't just stop and start telling them about, okay, here's how to pray it. Here's how you pray bold, audacious prayers. This is what it would look like if you prayed. Well, I don't understand why he didn't instruct them in spiritual warfare praying until I remembered he had done that already. At the end of chapter 3. But I didn't see it. I didn't see it as preparing them for spiritual warfare. Until I went back and reread it. See, so often we'll read a passage of scripture and think, you know, because we have the context of the whole Old Testament and the whole New Testament. We just think, yeah, everybody knows how to pray spiritual warfare prayers. Well, the church at Ephesus didn't have this. They didn't have other teachings about spiritual warfare. So the only teaching on prayer that they may have had was what he had written them earlier in that same letter. So I could see him telling them about this fight, this battle, and them saying, and he says, now pray. And they said, we want to know how. How do we? Oh yeah, chapter 3. And so I think they probably backed up into that letter and began looking at that prayer differently than they had first looked at it. Because now they realize they're in a battle and they need to know how to pray these bold, audacious prayers. Now, when I taught on this passage that we're going to now in Ephesians 3, I did it back in June of last year. And I did probably about 80% information and about 20% application. Today we're going to be a little bit different, okay? Uh, th that day I was trying to inform you. Today I want to incite you. Okay, I want to incite you to pray bold, audacious prayers for yourself, for your family, for our church, for the church in our city, for, for the gospel to saturate Charleston. I want you to pray bold, audacious prayers. I want you to pray bold, audacious prayers for our brothers and sisters suffering around the world. I, I have been so heartbroken for the suffering that's going on in Nigeria. We have some members of our River Bluff family who are from Nigeria who still have family in Nigeria. And my heart breaks for what's going on there to believers, followers of Jesus who are being killed, tortured to death, sold into slavery. Horrible things. We need to pray bold, audacious prayers for those who are persecuting them as well as those who, who are suffering them. 
So I want us to think about this. This bold, audacious prayer of Paul when we read through Ephesians 3. Now, the truth is, I will tell you, it gets me a little excited. I get excited when I think about that for, for our church, for, for you as, as God's people. But here's what amazes me about, about our prayer life oftentimes. Is we have this great big God, but we pray little wimpy prayers. Just little wimpy prayers. See, the God that we talk about today... Now look how Paul starts off his prayer in, in, in verse 14. He says, when I think of all of this... Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the, the end. He's the first and the, he's this great, big, powerful, bold, audacious God. And we pray, eee, prayers. Just these, these little pitiful kind of prayers. And I'm praying today that God will do a work in all of us. That we'll begin praying bodacious prayers for our family and for this church. But in order for us to kind of do that, for us to see God move in bold, audacious ways, we've got to learn to pray those kinds of prayers. And Paul helps us with that today. So I want you to walk with me. And, and this prayer that Paul prays is in a context. It's contextualized by verses 1, 2 and the first half of, of chapter 3. Because he's declared the power and the implications of the gospel of Jesus. He says uh, what Jesus has done. He talks about how he brought us into a new spiritual family. And in that spiritual family there's no racial division. The walls to, are to be torn down. When that family comes together it's supposed to Display the, the full beauty and glory of God himself when we gather as his people. Paul goes on to write that those who were once dead, they come to life. Those who have been far off have been brought near. And that's what he's talking about when he begins his prayer with this phrase, when I think of all of this. That's what he's talking about. All of those things that he has said are true. And that causes him to pray this bodacious prayer for us and for the people of Ephesus. And hopefully train us to do the same thing. Verse 14 he says, when I think of all this I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will be at home in your heart. Some translations say will dwell in you. Now the idea here is, is this. That the Holy Spirit will come into our hearts and get you ready. Get you prepared for Jesus to really come in. To, for you to experience the fullness of Jesus dwelling, living in you. Making his home in you. Now the implication there is your heart's not ready. It needs to be made ready. Your heart's got, got to be prepared. So the Holy Spirit comes and says, I need to get, get you ready. It's kind of like selling a house. Where are my real estate agents? There's some of my real estate agents back there. I'm going to tell a real estate story. Not a personal one. Just one that kind of I thought about. Here, here's what my, both of my kids recently bought new homes. And it, none of this played out of that. But it just caused me to do some thinking. You know, in, in some situations, you, you, you hire a realtor and bring them on. You, you guys work through the numbers about how much your house is worth. You've, you got that done. Well, then your real estate agent may say something like this. I'd like to have my interior design specialist drop by. Because... I want us to do some staging of your house. I want to do some staging. You say, well, what's the staging? What's, what's staging? Well, I, I want to maybe change out some furniture pieces a little bit. What's wrong with my furniture? I mean, look at this nice couch. It's in the original plastic. <laughs> you know? Anybody ever sat on a plastic-covered couch? My grandmama had, God bless her. But my grandmama had like 47,000 grandchildren too. So her couch needed to be plastic. But see, we need to do something about your couch. Well, what's wrong with my couch? 
Well, and they're being nice, you know, because they're really thinking, you know, none of your furniture agrees with even the same century. You know, people walk out of your room and your furniture argues about what century they're in, you know. And, and so they, they, they stage, they, they come in and say, we just want to make a little movement. And, and then they're nice, they say it like this. Because we're, we're preparing your house, you know, your stuff is good for you. But we're preparing, we're preparing your house for the people yet to come. We're, we're not preparing this for you. We're not staging, we're staging for those people who aren't here yet. So they feel at home in this place. See, that's what the Holy Spirit's coming in to do. The Holy Spirit, what, what Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit is coming in to do some rearranging, to do some staging of your heart, to get, get your heart lined up so it will be in, in line with Jesus. He says, I want to prepare your heart so that when Jesus comes, so the Holy Spirit says, I got some rearranging to do in you. Because there's some bitterness in you. And we need to pull that out. So that when, when Jesus is there. Because it's not going to match his love. And you, you, you got some unforgiveness in you. And man that's not going to line up with Jesus' grace. So we need to get that out of you. And, and there's some lust in your heart. And that's not going to align with the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus. So we, we need to stage your heart. The Holy Spirit needs to, to make some room so that when Jesus comes, his glory will be able to be displayed in your life. So there's some rearranging to do. And Paul says, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will be able to kind of stage your heart. Recognizing that in order for the Holy Spirit to do that, you got to be willing to let go of some things. you got to let that old plastic covered couch go. You got to say, okay, Holy Spirit, to do your rearranging. And what that means is, you got to surrender yourself. You, you got you to you you give yourself to him. Paul's saying, I'm, I'm praying that that'll happen. I'm praying that your, your heart will get there. So where you say, Holy Spirit, I'm surrendering everything to you. Everything. Now, I'm one of those people that, if you show me a prayer being lived out, I can pray it more passionately. I'm kind of a visual guy, so, so I need some help. Now, here's what we're going to discover today. This prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3, Jesus displays in Luke 5. In fact, Jesus displays this prayer throughout his life and ministry. But Luke 5, many of you know, my life verse resides in Luke 5. It's Luke 5, verse 5. And it's BBYS. S-I-W. Luke 5.5. 5, because you say so, I will, Lord. That was Peter telling Jesus one day when Peter didn't want to do something. But he says, but because you say so, Jesus, I will. So I love to teach out of this passage. And it's been a while since I've done that. But I want you to see Jesus displaying what Paul was praying in, in, in this passage in, in Luke 5. And it's going to come up. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to kind of walk you through storing it. We, we see it starts out Jesus is standing beside the lake. And he's teaching a big crowd that's gathered around. And there's some fishermen who have come to the end of their work day which was night and they're by the lake and they're, they're, they're washing their nets and they've been there all night uh, another uh, one of the gospels talking about this tell us that they didn't catch anything so Jesus sees these fishermen washing their net. Now, and you've got to understand, they're fishermen. The Bible calls them fishermen. It, that is their identity. They are fisher men. Okay, their, 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 their identity is wrapped up in this. And they're washing their nets. And understand, they're washing their nets. And there's got to be some emotion attached to, attached to this. Because they have worked all night long and have nothing to show for it. Just, just nothing. And so I, I believe they're kind of dug in there. And I, I think they're tired and, and exhausted. And I don't know how you think that might have affected them. But I want you to think about maybe a time in your life where you worked hard. You took every skill you had, every effort you could come up with. You even went to YouTube looking for somebody's help. And you just couldn't fix whatever it was. Or you tried to change something in your life, trying to get something done. And you used all the strength and skill that you could muster and you came up empty. 
Some of you may feel like you're there in a marriage. Some of you may feel like you're there with a child that you're parenting. Maybe have some issues with your kids and you're trying to fix it and it just won't get done. Maybe some of you are battling some kind of addiction. Maybe something like, like, like pornography and you're struggling with all your might trying to break it and you can't break it. Some of you are trying to get a career going and it just doesn't seem to, to go and you're trying, you know, as best you can. Some of you are trying to be all in for God and you keep kind of failing. You just, you can't do it. And I, I want you to know the truth is for all of us, there are seasons and moments like that in, in every life. And what happens in those moments is we get to the end of ourselves and we just kind of wash our nets and we say, I can't do it. I've, I've, hit, I've hit the proverbial wall. And that is a necessary moment if you are ever going to experience breakthrough with Jesus. If you're ever going to experience the power of life in Jesus flowing through you, that is an absolute necessity is for you to get to the place where you just start washing your nets. You may be weeping while you're washing your nets, but can I tell you the truth about something? If you could have gotten out what you're in already, you would have. If you have, if you could have under your own strength, under your own skill set, under reading every self-help book you could read, could get out of it, you'd be out by now. But you can't do it alone. And there's good news today. You can't do it, but Jesus can. Jesus can walk you out of that. And we see this in this account in Luke chapter 5. And I hope you notice, Jesus didn't really engage these guys until they were at that point in their lives. They were washing their nets. They had nothing to show. And they were at a point of ready to surrender. They would have said to the Holy Spirit, take that old couch. Get it out of here. And see, what you and I have to do is, is we got to get to that place where we're washing our nets because there something beautiful happens. Jesus, I've tried all day, all night, and I got nothing. You tell Jesus that, and that opens you up to something beautiful. It opens you to life in him. So here's the first bodacious prayer I want to challenge all of us to pray. Pray that we would all wash our nets so that the Holy Spirit could prepare our hearts. We would all get to that place of abandon, surrender, where we're just washing our nets. We don't have anything left. We've tried everything we could try. We have nothing to show for it. Because when we get there, the Holy Spirit could come in and stage your heart and do a great, great work. When you just say, have your way, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what needs taken out, take it out. I'm done with it. Holy Spirit, what you need to bring in, bring it in. I want it. I want you to stage my life for your great glory. And he'll begin to stage your life. You got to give him full access to every room, but he'll, he'll start to stage your life. Look back at Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3 verse 16. Paul starts talking about inviting the Holy Spirit to stage your life so that Christ can make his home in you. It says, I want you to stage your life so that Christ may dwell in your life. I was supposed to take this off when I got started. It's a microwave. You wonder what it's for, don't you? I'm not going to tell you right now. As the Holy Spirit begins to stage your life, he does it so that Christ can be at home in you. Now the idea of, of visiting this, you know, Christ dwelling in your life. This is not just Christ walking through. This is not Christ coming by to check you out. This is Christ indwelling you. It's, it's Jesus coming in, having a seat. Sitting down, making himself at home in you. It's different than just passing by. It is so much different than that. Now, when I read this at this point in chapter 3, I kind of wonder, why didn't Paul start with that? Why didn't Paul just out of the gate start with, hey you, you need to let the Holy Spirit stage your life so Jesus could sit down. Because I want, I want Jesus to sit down in my life. Why are we just getting to this now? And I, I think it's because he, in the context of all that he had said, 
we needed to come to understand something. It is possible for you to know all of the theology of Ephesians 1, 2, and the first half of 3. It's possible for you to get all of that stuff in your head. It's possible for you to sing about it and still not have Jesus sitting down in you. Still not have Jesus being comfortable. Still not having the fullness of Jesus flowing through your life. And Paul is saying, I want you to experience Jesus sitting down, resting in you. Not just singing songs about him or hearing testimonies or, or sermons about him. Not just going to church, but have a personal experience with him. Have, have him at home in, in your life. My mother-in-law... I'm going to be good because there's nothing else but to, that's my wife over there. Um, really with my mother-in-law there's nothing else to talk about but goodness. She has been so very, very good to me. She, she, is, she is a gift from God in my life. She's one of my biggest, biggest cheerleaders in my life. And she grew up in South Carolina. She was born and raised in South Carolina. She got a double dose of southern hospitality. Okay, so when, when you come over to her, she will do everything to make you feel comfortable and at home. And so when I first started dating Kathy and, you know, I didn't say anything for a while. But she made me nervous. Because we'd all be sitting down at the table eating and she would just be up. Your, 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 your cup gets to about three quarters full. She'd get up and pour tea. It needs to be full. She, I mean, it was, she cuts the biggest pieces of pie, by the way. Oh, my gosh. For me. Um, d d she's just filled with, with hospitality. She's just, she, she wants to make you feel. But finally, after a couple years of this, I don't know. We've been married a couple years. Finally, one day, I said, Miss Nettles, would you please sit down? You're making me nervous. Now, I don't know if. You know, you know anybody who, you know, has a nervous condition because people won't sit down. But, you know, I was just, she, I, I want, because I felt bad. I wanted her to just kind of be at home and be comfortable and, and sit with us and feel at home in her own home. See, what Paul is saying is that Jesus needs to feel at home in, in you. And if Jesus doesn't feel at home in you, you know what? It should make you nervous. It should make you a little bit unsettled, the thought of Jesus not being at home, seated in, in, in your life. You know, you, you ought to be thinking about, Jesus, sit down in, in my life. Because it's possible to know about him but not experience him. Not, not experience the fullness of beauty in him. I want to give you just kind of another way of thinking about this. Krispy Kreme opened up on Lats Road. <laughs> now I can tell you about Krispy Kremes. I, I know about Krispy Kremes, you know. The Krispy Kreme donut, they, they, they have a very special kind of batter, donut mix, and they mix it with water and yeast. And the yeast is what makes their Krispy Kreme donut so light and fluffy. And the bakers, they mix all the ingredients, they form this dough and they pour it into a hopper and this hopper feeds it into this device that makes this perfectly round donut. They don't punch holes out. You don't want to mess with perfection by punching stuff out. It's formed whole. And then those little discs make their way to this tower this glass tower. It's actually a glass sauna. They, they check the humidity and heat. You can go online and read this. They keep constant monitoring of, it's like a special sauna for the donut. And it just rides the donut rail sauna up and down and up and down. And for 15 to 20 minutes until that donut reaches perfect perfection. And then it's lightly dropped into a warm bath of vegetable oil where it tans on one side first to a gold and crisp brown and then it's gently just like your sunbathing flip to the other side until it's just this golden brown lusciousness and then it gets on a conveyor belt and it makes its way to that glazed waterfall 
that sugary, sweet, glazed waterfall. And if you happen to be fortunate enough to be there when the red light is on, the glowing hot and now sign, you can ask for one. And they will give you this warm, sugary, delightful treat in it. You put it in your mouth and you kind of swirl it around like a jacuzzi of sweetness. And it passes over your taste buds and down your throat and then your stomach just kind of opens up like a warm blanket to bring it in. Now that's the Krispy Kreme experience. Now, I can tell you about the Krispy Kreme experience. I can make it melodic. I could have been more scientific in my approach. There's a PDF file on it. You can go read about how they, how they technically make Krispy Kreme donuts. But it is nothing <laughs> like the joy of having this tasty, delicious treat Sit down on your tongue. Yeah. Paul is praying that you would let the Holy Spirit stage your life so that Jesus could sit down in you. So that you could experience the beauty and the wonder and the sweetness of the gospel of Jesus in your life. Because God has these incredible plans for you. He he has these incredible, wonderful plans for you. And Paul is saying, you don't want to just pray, read stories about Jesus being a provider. You don't, you don't want to just hear testimonies about Jesus being the provider. When you're broke, you want to sit down with the provider. Because you need your bills paid and you don't know how they're going to get paid. But when they're paid, at the end of the month, you don't know how. You know the provider. It's good to hear people stand up here and give testimony of coming out of addiction or experiencing the healing power of God. It's great to sing about God who is our healer, but it is nothing like getting news from the doctor and having Jesus sit down in you. Experience the healing power, the touch of God on your soul. Then you know him as healer. You you know him as provider. You you get to experience him. And when you do, you'll, you'll know his glory. Paul says, I want you to know him just like that. So he'll make his home in you. Your, your, your heart will be a dwelling place. Because if it does, verses 17 and 18. When he does, the roots of God's love will come into you. And it will stretch you. That's what the love of God does when it, when it comes in you. It begins to stretch you. Because Jesus wants you to know how high God's love is for you. Because for most of us, our view of God's love is low. We have a low ceiling when, when it comes to God's love. We, we, we kind of walk slumped over and head down because we don't think we're worthy of God's love. And Jesus says, I want to sit down in you so that my love stretches you higher into the love of God. You, you see yourself wrongly. You see yourself as something less than what God sees you. Friends, this is spiritual warfare. This is a fight for the truth about who you are in the sight of God and how you're loved by Him. See, when we start talking about you being His beloved son or daughter, walking in the love of Jesus, you can't see it. Because you've got a low threshold of where you think you can be loved by God. Because all you see is your failure. You see your shame. You want Jesus to make his home in you. You want him to stretch you. And he wants to. He wants to lift your head up to a higher place. To call you into that high love of God. So you can stand in in all its fullness. And know that God has a purpose for you. God has a promise for you. God has plans for you. He loves you. 
You're his beloved and he has a destiny for you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. More than you could ever think. And he says, I want you to see how high my love is. But I want you to see how deep it is too. Because let's be honest, in all of us, there's some darkness that runs deep. There's some pain that runs deep. There's some secrecy and shame. There's stuff that we've stuffed that we've never even talked about. Places marked with such failure and pain and the enemy loves to keep us locked down deep there. God's love is deep enough to go there. When Jesus gets seated in your soul, his love goes down deep. Friends, we're talking about spiritual warfare here. This is a fight. God wants to go deep into those places to shine his marvelous light. He wants you to know how deep he'll go for you. He went into death's tomb for you. But he came out. He came out. God wants you to know how wide his love is for you. See, you think your love is wide. You think, I got great big stretched out arms. I can love, 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 love. But the truth about all of us is there's a cutoff for us. There's a place where the width of our love stops. For some of you, it's your mother-in-law. You know who you are. They're just people that in our lives that our, our love stops for. God's love is so wide it will push the envelope on the edges of that. God's love is so wide that, that he, can, he can cause you to love people who don't vote like you, who don't look like you, who don't act like you. That's the power of the love. When Jesus sits down in you, your love will get wider. Because his reach is so long. And his love is also long. Now some of you may have walked in here today thinking you were so far from God. And I'm telling you, his love is long enough to reach you where you are. I don't care where you're at. I don't care what you've done, who you're doing it with. His arms are long enough to reach you and he's reaching out to you today. Calling you to himself. Drawing you to, to just come. Peter experienced that in Luke 5. In verses 3 and 4, Jesus looks at Simon Peter after they've been washing their nets. He, he says, let me use your boat. And Peter invites him in and lets Jesus in, into to his boat. And so Jesus uses his boat, Peter's boat, to deliver God's message of hope to broken people. If you've never picked up on that in your reading, that's a metaphor, folks. That boat's a metaphor for your life. Jesus wants, wants your life to be a vessel for his message. That, that's what Jesus wants. He, he wants you, your life to be a, a vessel where you go to work, to display his glory where you, in your own home, your relationships, in your marriage. He, he wants to display his glory through your life. And so this leads us to that second bodacious prayer that we need to be praying. And it's this. Pray that Jesus would sit down in us and stretch us so our lives would display his message. Stretch our love so our lives will display the gospel. God, would you stretch me so that your message has room in my life. Back in Ephesians 3, verse 19 and following, Paul says, I'm praying that you will be filled with the fullness of life. That you'll get the full measure. Not, not half of it. You'll get the full measure of God's love. That you'll be made complete and filled to fullness. So that your life could be used as a message. For, for the gospel. And Paul prays this prayer in verse 20. This is, he's still praying. And he says this. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely. Some translations say exceedingly. Some translations say abundantly. More than we can ask or think. God wants to do so much more. And I hope you picked up on the progression. He's saying, God wants to start with the prayers you're praying right now. But he, he, he wants them bigger. He wants them bolder and, and more audacious. Because audacious, he, he wants to go beyond the prayers that you're praying now. Some of you are praying pr prayers for your marriage right now. 
Some in our family are praying prayers for, for healing right now. Some of you are praying prayers for your finances right now. Some of you are, are praying prayers, God, I want you to use me. However, God, I want you... Some of you are praying prayers for our church. Some of you are praying prayers for the gospel to saturate Charleston. And I want to I promise you this. Our best days as far as the Jesus are not behind us. Now, I know you watch the news and you think, oh, it's done. The best days for the followers of Jesus are ahead of us. For, for every last one. God's not done with you yet. He wants you praying these audacious, bold prayers so that your mind will be set to walk with him. And he says, I'm going to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think. I want to move in your life. He's saying, I, I want, I want, I, see, we, we so often live with lack. And we live with, with scarcity. And God doesn't want us to live like that. He, he's, his, his resources aren't limited like so many of ours. He, he's got an abundance. Exceedingly more, he says. And then I want you to think again about what, what Paul said. He said, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. So you're saying, so God's power is going to be at work is it limited to just being in us? Somewhat. Somewhat. See, what, what, what Paul is saying is that God's mighty power is in you, but for your life, it's only going to do as much as you allow it to do in your life. It's only going to go that far. Friends, God wants to do great things through you out there. But he is not going to do it out there till he does it in here. Some of you have big dreams of how you, you want God to use you. God is not going to send you out to hypocritically write spiritual checks that your spiritual account can't cash. So if you're a mom and you're thinking, I want to take joy to some other moms. Well, you know what Jesus is waiting to do? He's waiting to sit down and bring joy in you. Or you're a man and you're thinking, I, I got some brothers, some friends who don't know the peace of Christ. And I want the peace of Christ to be known by them. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Let me sit down in you and let my peace work in you first. And, and then we'll go out there. See, it, it's his power at work in you. The only limitation to his, his work through your life is guess who? Ourselves. It's, it's, it's us. He wants to do exceedingly, uh, abundantly more. There's more that he wants to do in and through our lives. But he's not going to do it out there until he does it in here. And so you and I, as part of inviting the Holy Spirit in and surrendering, we, we've got we've to be willing to, to have our faith stretched. We've got to have a bigger, bolder, more audacious faith. And I just, I need to confess something to you. Even as a pastor, I struggle with having a bold, audacious faith all the time. Because like you, I've had a few setbacks in my life. I've had some, some pain in my life. I've had some unfulfilled dreams in my life that have at times kept me from praying bold, audacious prayers. But on that journey, I've discovered something. Simon Peter discovered it too. Look, look back at Luke 5. In verse 4, Jesus looks at Simon Peter and he says, All right, thanks for letting me use your boat to get my message out. Let's go fishing. Come on, Peter. Let's go fishing. Now, I don't know if you read between the lines much when you read these stories. But I just kind of see Peter doing the eye roll thing. Jesus, you just saw, saw me over here cleaning my nets after having been out all night. Didn't catch a thing. And you want me to go back out? You want, you want me to go back out in the water? Jesus says, yeah, because here's the deal, Peter. It's not that the fish weren't out there. It's not, it's not that the lake lacked fish today. It's that you didn't have Jesus in your boat then. 
But Jesus, Jesus is in your boat now. And guess what Jesus speaks? Jesus speaks fish. And Jesus says, I know where the fish are, Peter. Just follow me out. Just, let's just go. And Jesus tells him where to go. And Peter, begrudgingly, I think, goes. And Jesus says, okay, here, put the net out. So Peter puts the net out. I don't know how long they waited. But I imagine if they waited more than two and a half seconds, Peter was saying, okay, how much longer is it going to take? But then suddenly, verse 6, bam! The net is filled with fish. And I don't know how you imagine it happening, but I imagine all them fish are swimming in the same direction in that net. Because the net is, is about to tear. And Peter's hot. Help me! Help me! Come on, boy, help me! I need help! Here's the really cool thing about interactions with Jesus. Anytime, anytime you get your life positioned... In such a place where the blessings of God will flow. Even if you're not doing it always perfectly. You won't have enough room to hold it. You're going to have to share it with somebody else. Because that, that, that's, that's who God is. Now some of you would not have gone back out in the book. Because your disappointment is too great. Friends please dear God. Don't let your painful past keep you from experiencing the blessing of a big God today. Peter's painful past could have kept him saying, no, I'm not going back out there. He could, have just, he, could, he could have just given up. Don't let the pain of your past keep you from experiencing the full measure of God. He want, Jesus wants to sit down in you. He wants to pour out life in you, in your marriage. In your parenting, in your finances, at work. He wants to do something bold and audacious. But will you start praying prayers? He wants to do something bold and audacious with River Bluff Church. Will we be those people? Now remember what Peter did for a living. Peter was a fisherman. And now suddenly Peter is seeing the biggest payday he's ever seen. And I don't know again how you imagine it. But I just imagine Jesus. Peter looks at the fish. And he looks at Jesus. And, and for those of you that have read the New Testament frequently, you know Peter was kind of a drama queen sometimes. And the Bible says, I mean, he was just, he was, he was in with his whole body all the time. And the Bible says he just fell down. Peter fell down a lot when you read the New Testament. He fell down in front of Jesus and he just cried out, I'm a sinner. I repent. Man, that's good advice for any of us. When in the presence of Jesus, just to fall down and say, truth is, without you, I'm a sinner. And I, I change the way I think about life. I, I, I repent. And, and it marks him. And Jesus says, I know, get up. Get up. Because I have bigger dreams for your life. I have bold, audacious dreams for you, Peter. Get up. Because you're not just going to fish for fish anymore. You're going to fish for the hearts and souls of men, Peter. You're going to change the world. But you've got to get up. And if it was, you know, these days, Peter, I would imagine, would have looked at his boat keys and thrown them in a lake. It, they didn't have boat keys back then. He walked away from the biggest harvest he'd ever seen. Never seen anything like it. Because he saw a better bolder, audacious life on the horizon for himself with Jesus. And he wanted that. So here's, the, here's kind of the question. What does it mean for you today to walk away from your dreams to follow God's bigger dreams? Well, it means somewhere you're going to have to pray that you would wash your nets so that your heart could be prepared for the Holy Spirit to stage it for Jesus. So that Jesus could sit down and stretch you. So that your life would display the glory and beauty of His message. So that you would know how high and how deep and how long and how wide His love for you is. And then the third prayer 
that you would pray is this. That you and I would be so overwhelmed by the sufficiency and abundance of Jesus that we would leave our little dreams to follow his bodacious plans for our lives. See, when you start dreaming bolder, more audacious dreams, you'll start praying bolder, more audacious prayers. And then, as Paul said, you will see what you didn't even think to ask or think about start happening around you. Let's pray together. I, I don't know what you've been praying. I don't know if you've been praying itty bitty now I lay me down to sleep prayers. I don't know if you just because of the struggle that you're in right now you've been fixated and all your prayers are about your stuff. Maybe, maybe most of your prayers involve just you and your family and maybe a few friends. Maybe you think it's all about your story. And maybe you need to start praying for something bigger, something better. Maybe you need to be praying into God's story. Because your story in God's story makes your story bigger and bolder and more, more audacious. It stretches your story. It gives your story life and meaning that comes no other way. And so God, right now, we come to you. We come, God, needing needing you to move in our lives. We come recommitting our fresh to pursuing you sitting down in us, Jesus, after we give the Holy Spirit permission to rearrange us so that you'll be at home, that you'll sit down in our lives, so that your love will stretch us in ways we didn't know were possible, so that we will experience your power flowing through us, so that we can bear your message out in the world. Your message of hope because we're filled with hope. Your message of joy because we're filled with joy. And as we're filled, God, our dreams will become bigger. So God, we pray. God, I'm grateful to know that as we looked at your word today, it reminded us that you start with what we're praying now. You start where we're praying now. And then you progress us out. So God, move us. Move all of us today. Move us individually. Move us corporately as River Bluff Church to be bold and audacious in our faith and our praying. And maybe you came in today and for the first time you heard that God's love would accept you. That it would reach down to where you're at in whatever darkness or despair that you've been in and pull you out. Maybe it was one of the baptisms that you saw somebody saying, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I've trusted him with everything. And maybe that's what you want to do today is trust Jesus totally. Most of us here, what we need to do is rededicate our lives. Give the Holy Spirit renewed permission to rearrange us, to stage us. So that Jesus will sit down in our lives transform us so God we come now we bring our smaller prayers to you turn them into something bigger we bring our smaller faith to you turn it into something bolder we bring our lives to you God we bring our talents we bring our treasure we bring our time we bring our full self to you now asking you oh God to take us to show us that bigger dream you have because we want to walk away from our little dreams to follow you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're in North Charleston this Sunday, please consider visiting us at our 9 o'clock or 1130 services. We'd love to see you. Again, for more information, visit riverbluff.org. Now go change the world.